0: Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood
0: on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. Hello, everyone.
2: I'm Denise Hanitka, and you are listening to a brand new episode of On a Mother Level. This is episode 88, and I'm so glad you are back here to join us for another great conversation with another fantastic mom with a story to share. First, I want to start, though, with an observation, if you will. My kids have been getting into playing Candyland, and I don't know if you've noticed the... I don't know, the imitation Candyland game that is now mainstream. But it's a smaller little board and it's missing some of the little, like, candy lands that they can go to, like that little tiny green guy that you could go to. Basically, it shortens the game and, quite frankly, cheapens the game. And I find that... I would much rather play the original version that takes longer than play this new Express Candyland version that I have to play four times because sometimes you can speed through it real quick. So I decided, okay, so if my kids are really liking this Candyland, I'm going to see if I can find some of the old games um, from the days of yore, the late 80s when I was growing up. And so I looked for... I looked for Hi-Ho O." Do you guys remember that game? You, like, got a bucket, and you sat, you know, around the table, and you each had, like, a cherry tree or something. And there was some sort of spinner involved, and then you you collected the cherries or spilled the cherries or something like that. Found some imposter version of that on Amazon. So I ordered that to see what a disaster that thing is. And then I ordered that pop o Trouble. Do you remember those commercials from the early 90s? It was like, Pop-O-Matic Trouble. I don't know. For some reason, I really remember that. So I ordered that also to see if my kids can kind of get into that. I don't even remember the rules other than you hop around and you have to press that thing in the middle, which I think is good because then you're not like chasing the dice that your two-year-old has thrown across the table. So if there are any other really good board games that a four and two-year-old can play that their mother can um, tolerate, I would love to hear that because, I don't know, I'm just looking at some of these games and they seem like they're all the same version of that pie face game, you know, where you like go around and then wait for the alligator to snap your hand or for the pie to whip cream thing to come at you. There's always like some flying object. So I'm looking for like OG, you know, easy spinners, little dice rollers. Anywho, I also don't like how just some of these are just like so cheaply manufactured, which makes me sound bougie or something. But I mean, there were some games at Target yesterday when I went and looked that like are made like in a cereal box. You know, where you just kind of, like, pop the top off? Don't you remember when you were a kid and you had that crisp, like, well-constructed box? And you would get so angry when one of your brothers would step on it or something and then the corner would come busted off because those those boxes were so nice and so sturdy and you just wanted them to be pristine. But then you just, like, lived in a total, like, animal house and that was never going to remain? These are the things that I've been thinking about as I've been playing Candyland for not just the one time, you know, because it's a nice, solid, long game, but for the fourth time. Oh, well, they love it. And then they can at least like learn their colors. It's great. (sighs) Okay, that's observation number one. Observation number two is I had a um, be careful what you wish for moment over the weekend So I am part of the Western Illinois University Alumni Council. And my guest today, by the way, is also um, a WIU grad. So we're going to talk about some of our old haunts. Anywho, so I'm part of the Alumni Council, and we sometimes meet in different locations. We have little quarterly meetings. And this one was in the Chicago suburbs. And so my husband very generously suggested that I spend two nights to myself. So I had one night with my friend in the Naperville area. And then I decided I was going to have just one night alone in a hotel room to myself. And if you don't think that I ordered a pizza and then cried about being lonely and missing my family while watching Bridesmaids in that hotel, I mean, what are we doing? This was my one night alone in a hotel room. The silence I guess was just too much for me to take even with the watching of the bridesmaids and and eating deep dish pizza I don't know so I was so angry with myself in that moment like will you just chin up lady because you are away from your family which is what you said that you wanted you are alone in this hotel room and there is no one you know, on you or, or bothering you or going mama 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 and then here you are missing these people I don't know Be careful what you wish for, but also, I guess, you know, you can take the girl out of the mom, but you can't take the mom out of the girl. (laughs) Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, and by the way, when I'm gone, my boys, like, 0% care. Like, I call, and they're like, yeah, 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 no, we slept in bed with Papa, bye. (laughs) Like They do not care, which is probably also hurting my feelings. Hmm. Oh, well, that's why I buy them board games. Maybe they will love me. Okay, people, this is a great episode. My guest today is named Stacy. Stacy is a mom of two, lives in the Quad City area, and she specializes in random acts of kindness. And she does them in honor of her mom. And I'm talking to her about a week before a great event that she is throwing. So if you're local to the Quad City area, you're gonna you're gonna wanna hear about it. But if you're not local, I think it might inspire you. To do something that Stacy does. I love this idea. She says that she sometimes takes five dollars and slips it in a diaper box at Target. I love that. I love the idea that you're putting out good karma into the world and doing a good deed that's quick and quiet. And if I opened a diaper box and there was five bucks in there, I don't need the five bucks, you know, necessarily, but like that would really perk up my day. So I think that's a very cool random act of kindness. And so that's what Stacy is talking about today on this episode. Stacy does this in honor of her mom, Tina, because she lost her mom when she was just 15 years old. They were out of town for a softball tournament when her mom passed away. And if you think about how hard that would be on a 15-year-old, you're right, and then some. And so Stacy talks to me about going through those teen years without her mom, and then having a lot of those old feelings come back up again when she became a mom herself. She also talks about why she's passionate about the concept of brain health versus mental health. And then I kind of do a little rant about why I think the whole concept of self-care is such BS. So let me know if you agree with me on that one. So I'm going to get right to our guest, you guys. This is On a Mother Level, and here is mom of two, Stacy.
1: I knew it was going to be a challenge, but it ended up being more of a challenge than what I was anticipating. Um Ted Lee, my first, she was actually unplanned. Um, it was about 12 weeks before our wedding, and um, surprise. <laughs> so that wasn't planned, but Athena was actually planned. Oddly enough, it's kind of reversed a little bit for, you know, some people. but. Yeah, it's it was a challenge and I felt like Tenley missed out on some things due to you know not getting more one-on-one and I, although I tried to to give her that same attention it was it was definitely a challenge but
2: take me back to 12 weeks before your wedding and yeah. so how did how did this all play out so you're getting ready for a big wedding you're marrying the man of your dreams and then what happens?
1: Yes. And then surprise. So I was actually finishing up grad school too. I graduated in May um, and then found out I was pregnant. Um, I was very excited um, because, you know, some people have struggles with that. So it was kind of an excitement moment. And then at the same time, like, okay, I still have my bachelorette party. I need to make sure my wedding dress will still fit me, all those components. So it was like, yay, but oh no. (laughs) yeah we're gonna have to prolong everything see if we can get our money back you know push the wedding back what are we gonna do and at that point um I was gonna be 13 weeks pregnant so I was just we just followed followed through with our regular plans and what we had all set up it it all ended up working out fine thankfully and I was able to still fit in my dress and and those sorts of things so it ended up meshing together well thankfully
2: (laughs) It's one of those things where, yeah, you'd never want to complain about that happening, but it, it's it's safe to admit that it was inconvenient at the time.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, you dream up of this wedding and what you, you know, what you're going to do with your friends for your bachelorette party and all these sorts of things. Well, you know, those all got, kind of got turned upside down and, you know, not that drinking is a huge component, but it's nice to have a couple on your wedding day and, you know, and join in with the celebration with everybody, but it, it's still, it was fun and I made the most of it and everybody I think had a good time. So our wedding was at the River Bandits. Um, We rented out up there. So there was a game going on too. So everybody, you know, there was many components that they had to be able to enjoy and do whatever they wanted.
2: That is such a great venue. Uh Uh-huh. I loved it you know those first couple of months th- those can be hard for a lot of people i hope you weren't sick that whole time
1: oh. oh my gosh tenley was a godsend i did not have i had no morning sickness um like no problems the only thing the only reason i knew that i was pregnant is the tender breasts i'm like okay this this isn't normal i don't know what's going on and decided to take a pregnancy test and sure enough but other than that i really did not have any problems. I was very very fortunate because I know you know there's a wide range of things that could happen and I had some heartburn towards the end but other than that I had a very easy pregnancy up until labor.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so your entire first year married, you're pregnant and so yeah. that's a, that's a whole different way to spend the yeah. first year of marriage. What do you remember from that time period?
1: It literally was almost a blackout moment between, you know, the, the late nights, not getting any sleep, those sorts of things. Um, so we, but we had dated, um, gosh, it was like three, four years prior to getting married. So we, we were able to enjoy that time um, as a dating couple. And then, um, yeah, we wanted to do a little bit more exploring, you know, taking vacations and, and with having the baby those obviously were kind of cut out out of the picture but very thankful and she's she's been a godsend both of them obviously but
2: (laughs) what is the meaning behind her name how did you choose the name Tenley
1: oh that's a funny story I always enjoyed telling this kind of um so her first name I was a bachelorette bachelor follower there earlier on and of yes Tenley. And I loved her. I'm like, one of these days I'm going to have a little girl and I'm going to name her (laughs) Tenley. And so I stuck with that. But my mom, um, her middle name is Jean. Um, It was Tina Jean. So um, I wanted to have a piece of my mom tagged on to one of them as well. So we ended up doing Tenley Jean. Um, So that's what put together her name is The Bachelorette and my mom's middle name. (laughs) I do love that. And
2: I think Tenley was the first time I ever heard that name was on The Bachelorette. Yep,
1: that's how I was, and I wanted something unique but not off the wall, um, and I I found that that fit so <laughs>
2: beautiful. And then Athena comes along, and how did you choose that name?
1: Yeah, so for her name, I was in one of my good friends' wedding, and we got our hair done at a local hair salon, and one of the girl who did my my hair, her name was Alina. And I was like, I really like that name, but I felt odd, like stealing her name. So then I started to just look around on Pinterest, of course, and saw Athena. I was like, Athena, I love that. And um, did that. And so uh, my husband's mom's name is, she goes by Yvonne, but her real name is Ruth. So we did Athena Ruth to tie in his mom.
2: Very nice. Well, I was excited to see that we're both WIU grads.
1: Yes, I saw that you spoke at the the graduation. I did. So,
2: okay. 2008, you were down in Macomb. I graduated in 06. So, I mean, not, there's a chance we could have crossed paths at a house party right. or two. Right.
0: Maybe.
2: <laughs> what was your like main like place that you hung out on campus or off campus, um, I should say? I was a pace girl.
1: Okay. So, I, I, it, I was random. I, I got bored going to the same places. So I did a lot of a uh, combo of, of, um, and I lived right off of North MacArthur. So I was walking distance from, from all those right next to the railroad tracks there, you know, lovely 3am train honk. <laughs> oh <laughs> but, man. <laughs> but, did you yeah, have was, a good
2: experience at Western?
1: I did. Um, it was enjoyable. Um, I, I definitely think I could have cut out some of the party in a little bit, but. No, do not (laughs) say
2: that. Do not say that.
1: (laughs) It was fun and I regret nothing. And a good friend of mine, (laughs) um, she she did Tri Sigma. So I hung out with her and them um, on and off, but the sorority thing just wasn't my, wasn't my rodeo. So I lived in the dorms for all four years, okay. and
2: everyone made fun of me so much for living in the dorms, but I loved it. I loved the cafeteria food. I loved that I had a place right. that I didn't really need to worry about. Right, the old homes and bathrooms really grossed me out, and I yeah. realized that the dorm bathrooms aren't much better, but to me it felt like a safer option because they were That's being right. cleaned. Yeah, um, <laughs> And then um, I started dating a guy who lived like two doors down from the Tri-Sig house right at the corner of Stadium and Murray, that red house. And so I ended up marrying that guy.
1: Uh (laughs) That's awesome.
2: Yeah. So yeah, Western is a, a very big part of our life. And our dog, I wanted to name her Pace
1: and uh-huh. my husband
2: wanted to call her Mac, kind of like yep. of
1: my home,
2: um, yep. so her name is Mackie. I lost the oh, wow.
1: <laughs> a middle name.
2: <laughs> yes, so I, yeah, I also regret nothing. I partied my ass off at Western, <laughs> and, um, and I'm completely fine with it, because I feel like that was needed. In that four years of my life, I absolutely needed to do that, and all's well that I was well.
1: Yes, yes. Well, and I started out two years at Blackhawk. I played softball there and got a full ride playing softball there. So I was there for my first two years, and then um, from switching my majors, I was at Macomb for about three years.
2: Okay, perfect. So how did you choose to get into the mental health space?
1: Um, I, I've always, since I was little, have said I want to help people in what capacity, I didn't know. Um, My mom had always talked about wanting to be a teacher. So my first route I wanted to do was special education. And um, it just kind of went from there. I had a semester where I partied a little too much and was on academic probation. And then it got to the point where I was like, okay, what can I do that I have the most credits to that I can graduate, quote unquote, on time. And it went into the social work realm and I felt it just fit me and what my motivation and passion was to do in life kind of thing.
2: Well, I committed a little bit of a faux pas because you actually prefer the words brain health instead of mental health. Talk to me about why that word makes a difference to you.
1: I feel like mental health gets tossed around. And for centuries, it's been tossed to the side and not valued on many levels from insurance insurance reasons to you know just general conversation with people and I feel like if we can start naming it an organ because you know if our liver starts to fail it it, everybody talks about and you know and gives them empathy and sympathy and but when we talk about our brain health it's like it gets tossed to the side and oh you're making that up or you know so many things are said in it and so i like talking about brain health as it's an organ it's one of the most important organs and i feel like if we can change the conversation with it that it could be presented for what it is like it's your brain (laughs) when you put
2: it that way it makes so much sense mental health sounds optional it sounds like you're choosing, like it's a yeah. choice for you, but you're right. Yeah. If we said this was about liver health, no one would say, are, are you, are you just, are you just right. making this up that, that your uh, heart is having some issues?
1: Right, right. You're, you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I just find changing the cover and I try to do it as much as I can, just changing that conversation and getting rid of that negative kind of like connection to it of it being mental health you're like your mental or I just don't like that word um and I think it can be a good conversation changer when we talk about those those sorts of things yeah so what
2: does your day-to-day work look like then
1: um so right now I recently started I've I've done a lot of job hopping um just because I had to do what was right for me in the moment and you know what I I'm such a firm believer of you know, if I'm going to spend 40 hours a week away from my children, I need to enjoy what I'm doing and feel confident in what I'm doing. So I'm um, about, it's been about two months now, I started a job with DCFS. Um, I'm in next County. So um, I, I do investigations for child abuse and neglect. And so, um, you know, a report can come in at any time. And um, it's just a lot of and again, going back to the brain health portion, um, we all have our different worldviews. We all see the world through our own lens. And so I think being open-minded going into these investigations, DCFS can get such a bad rep of we're just here to take away kids. But I think if you can think of it in terms of, you know, these families that you're working with, they have a different world view, and meeting them where they're at and getting them the help that they need or maybe don't know that they want, but do want kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Can you be more specific about that? I mean, obviously like no names or like, but like, what are some direct examples uh, that, that people maybe don't understand about that?
1: Um, so I guess tying in that brain health piece of, um, you know, the generational trauma where they were maybe um, a child having a, a baby and so, you know, depending on where their their generational, you know, cultural background looks like, there could be so much generational trauma that they don't know what they're doing. They weren't ever shown or taught right. And so it comes to the point where if there's any, you know, environmental neglect, where the, the home's not kept up, um, anything along those lines where They are maybe depressed, and they can't get up and make sure their home is clean, or taking care of the dog instead of letting the dog, you know, poop in the house and not clean up those sorts of things. There's so many different components that, um, but of course, you know, the main the main thing is making sure the kiddos are safe. But at the same time, getting the parents the help that maybe they never got, or they just don't know, like you don't know what you don't know, kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Okay. So where would you begin? Um, on a typical case, because you're describing something that can't be fixed in a day or a week or a month. Right.
1: Right. And so my piece is, I do the investigation part of it, so I'm not the caseworker. Okay. Um, I I go in and do the initial investigation where I I see what we got. There's you know there's a call into the hotline, and it gets sent over to to us, and we go out and investigate, see how much of it is valid. Um, maybe if there's just missing resources and services that they need in the home. Um, or if maybe the child is truly unsafe and making sure that that child can get in a safe environment while the parent maybe gets the help that they need, the resources that they need to get connected to the supports that they need in their life and those sorts of things.
2: Okay. And then you go home at night to your two girls. Yeah. That's going to be yeah. hard sometimes.
1: A yeah. Lot of and times. I, I, I'm sure it will be, um, like I said, I'm only two months into it. So, um, um yeah, that's, that's definitely, I'm sure it can be a challenge, especially when you see those connector pieces. If I'm, you know, seeing another little girl who's three and what, what they, you know, are going through or what the family is experiencing. um, Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be tough um, yeah. as I go, but that's where, again, that brain health piece, the self-care is such an important, important thing. Find your people, find, know, find what helps you.
2: Okay. So if you want to rename the concept of mental health to brain health, I want to figure out a way to rename the concept of self-care because I hate those two words. And here's why self-care is annoying because people act like self-care is brushing your teeth. Like, Oh, oh, she just had a baby. Maybe she should shower once a week. That is self-care. And, and, and on the flip side, I also feel like this notion of like, well, maybe if you get a prenatal massage, that's self-care. And I think that's also BS, like it's two separate sides of the same coin where it's like brushing your teeth is not self-care and, you know, getting a facial is not self-care, but I don't know what it really is, but people just say, you need to do this. You need to have the self-care. What's self-care to you?
1: Right. No, you're preaching to the choir 100%. (laughs) And during my grad school, I did, I was a therapist um, for kiddos in the schools or families would come to the office. And, you know, I would get in that conversation piece, just what you're talking about, like, you know, self-care looks different for everybody. And making sure that I would elaborate that, you know, brushing your teeth, going to the bathroom for five minutes is not self-care. Those are human needs. <laughs> like, um, that's just taking care of yourself. That's not self-care and finding what's going to help your brain health. Um, brushing your teeth isn't necessarily going to help your your brain health and doing things that you enjoy for yourself and not necessarily taking care of your kiddos. You know, there's even those moms that they say self-care is being with your kids, um, which I'm sure is definitely a huge piece, an important piece. But You also need to find what you can do for you so you don't lose yourself. Um, That's so important. So, yeah. And so to your question of what I do for self-care, I really try. I've grown up playing sports. So a big self-care thing for me was working out. Well, I've gotten away from that and haven't done that in years. (laughs) So I would say more of what my my current self-care is, is I love taking pictures of nature Um, I love doing that for me and another piece as I think I I mentioned in my writing to you is doing random acts of kindness so it makes me feel good to do nice things for others even if they don't know who it came through so I love paying for people behind me in the window like the drive through those typical things I've done things where I've stuck five dollars in a diaper box um, so the next person to buy the diapers, they can get that. Um, or I've done things that people see who I am. And, you know, I've done a lot of things in honor of my mom. And and that's my self-care is making others smile.
2: I want to spend some time talking about your mom. I'm just going to tell you my self-care really quick. A couple things. Number one, I've gotten into working out. So that's like a, it's it's pretty much a non-negotiable for me now, and I never would have said that two years ago that working <laughs> out is a non-negotiable for me, but that's number one. But number two, the simple act of getting up an hour before my kids do, if I don't do that, I am a monster. And yeah. coffee has to do with that, but it's <laughs> also just more about like letting your brain awaken itself for yeah. the day and I play a stupid home decorating game on my iPad, and it's the dumbest <laughs> thing ever.
1: No, but, but, that, but
2: every morning I do that, and I, I feel like I have gotten ready for the day with those two things. So that's Yeah, my,
1: yeah I don't know what I would call that other you. than self-care, but. Yeah, it's, it's finding a piece of you that you wanna do for you and not anybody else.
2: <laughs> right, right. Okay, so tell me about your mom.
1: Um, I realize so that's my, a really
2: open-ended question, but where do you want to begin with your mom?
1: Yeah. Um, so my mom, in the moment, I took it for granted, um, but now, obviously, um, looking back on things, she was, and I'm, I'm not speaking of terms as her daughter. She was a one-of-a-kind human being. Um, she was one of those people that could walk in a room and everybody would smile, people would hear her laugh, people would see her, like, as cliche, the twinkle in her eyes, like, she seriously, her eyes were just, something about her eyes, and people could sense that of her, no matter where we were, um, growing up, we had, I like to call, quote, unquote, the all-American house, um, it sounds kind of silly, but, we had in the neighborhood, we would always have anywhere from five to 45 kids in our yard. Cause we, you know, we had the trampoline, we had a pool, we had the basketball hoop. My mom would cook, bake frozen pizzas, brownies. Um, she'd get the industrial bag candy sizes from Sam's and just have bowls of candy for kids that would come over. So she was that just that person. And it was so effortlessly for her. It just who she was. And, and I loved that.
2: So do you think you knew all that as a kid or the, are those pieces that have fallen into place as you've become a yeah. mom? It,
1: it's definitely pieces that have f- fell into place. Cause like I had mentioned earlier, we all have that worldview and I just thought, you know, this is just what the world looks like. And this is just what families do and people do. And, and then, um, it was gone. And it opened my eyes to so much at su- such a young age. And I think that was another thing for me with social work is it was intriguing for me to, to now know that my world isn't everybody's normal. How old were
2: you when you lost your mom? Um,
1: I was 15. Um, so a big part of my life was ASA softball. So we did a lot of traveling. It's like all year round softball. Um, we were at uh, nationals champion uh, nationals tournament out in Kansas city Kansas city missouri and um she had woken up to her leg no health problems i she never smoked never drank anything um she had her period was irregular and really bad and the doctor eventually put her on the birth control pill so i guess going back she woke up with her leg super swollen and we were in a hotel so we thought you know maybe a bug bite spider bite something We were getting ready to go to um call you know see where the local hospital was and get her to go well in the meantime um, to make a longer story short she had collapsed when i was in the room with her um and then so of course you know i came out screaming calling my dad the ambulance came when they got there she woke up she was fine like answering questions letting them know she's not allergic to anything all these sorts of things and my mom was like just go shower I'm gonna be fine you have your games this morning just you can stop up at the hospital everything's gonna be fine um and then in the middle of my shower one of my friend's moms knocked on the door was like we have to go we need to go so I get out and then I walk into the hospital um meeting my dad at the front door bawling his eyes out and um she had passed away in his arms pretty much at the hospital um, and it ended up being a pulmonary embolism, um, which was caused from the birth control pill that was developing in her leg and shot up to her lungs, basically.
2: Within a matter of hours.
1: hmm And there were no other health concerns. Like, it was literally out of left field.
2: <laughs> You're 15 years old. You're not mm-hmm. at home. Yeah. It's out of nowhere. Mm-hmm those days immediately to follow what do you remember from that
1: (laughs) my life from that point on is literally a blackout um I don't even truly remember much of anything we started out having a lot of support and then you know when you lose something that important like my mom wasn't only my mom she was a mom to many um we were well known in the community and so um my dad had a very, very, very rough time. It was, it was rough for him. And so my brother was 13 at the time. And so kind of raising my brother a little bit, but also not knowing what I'm doing, um, gotten to the party scene, doing things I was shouldn't have been staying, you know, at, at a friend's apartment who his dad paid for when he lived in Chicago. So we had this hot and it literally was a blur. The only thing that I think somewhat kept me on track was, um, sports and, um, my softball coach for ASA, he was a police officer, um, for this city of Moline, I believe, or East Moline, I can't remember. Um, but he was on my, on my tail, making sure I, I stayed on the right track. So it literally was a blur. And then I got, you know, to softball in college and there were so many pieces that like, my mom's supposed to be here kind of thing. And it was rough because she was like my number one cheerleader supporter. She always had answers for me. I had any questions. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, my mom did, I was spoiled. <laughs> I, I will say it. She did my laundry. So when I was 15, I had to figure that stuff out. And then after six months of losing my, my mom, my dad met um, another lady, they got married. So there were just so many components just very quickly. Um, And that lady who I still keep in contact today, she has been my number one support. Um, So it's kind of a weird turnaround. Um, But it's almost like I feel like my mom had sent her in a way like they they need this as much as it's going to hurt others. Um, It's just really weird how things played out and shit. She has been my number one supporter through having my own kids. Yeah. Um, and I call her my bonus mom kind of thing. So, yeah. and they're, they're divorced. She's remarried. Um, so, yeah.
2: But she's remained in your life. Yes. It seems like the grief affected everybody in your family so differently and yet yes. you needed each other so much, but yeah. everybody was going through it in their own way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It it was have you ever see those things where you put like pepper in water and you drop a thing of oil and the pepper just spreads out it's like we were all so tight knit and then when we lost the one piece that I think and felt held not only my immediate family together but like everybody together it's like everybody just split and then you know my uh my close friends made comments you know I'm dealing with my mom's death the wrong way because I was getting into things you know going a negative route, but you know, they didn't understand. And so it's like I lost a lot of my my main friendships that I had for so long. And it was just such an odd time in my life. And I was just I was lost. Looking back, I was just a lost little girl trying to hold myself together.
2: Well in 15, 15's not easy. With the no. best of support systems.
1: Right. This teen is
2: hard. Would you say your relationship with your mom was pretty good at that
1: point? Oh, amazing. Yeah. She was my number one support in anything I did, no matter if I messed up or did really well.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so it sounds like the grief of losing your mom came back in a new way when you became a mom.
1: Yes. Yes. Totally. It, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, the initial, you know, when I, after I gave birth, it was a very beautiful thing and I was happy. And then the longer it went on, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm a mother without my mom who was forever my, my main support. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Not, not that anybody does ever. I mean, even, you know, grown kids, we don't ever really truly know what we're doing, but, Um, we just do our best and, and go with it. But I, I just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. How so? Just not having that, that one person. And I, I'm, again, I don't want to negate how fortunate I am with the supports that I do have in my life because I'm very blessed in that realm. Um, but your mom's your mom. And it's like, I hate asking for help. (laughs) That's a struggle of mine. Um, So it it gets to a point where like, when I ask for help, like I really need help, but I always feel bad. But with my, my mom, I feel like it would have been different. Like she would have just known I needed help. Like it wouldn't have had to been asked for. She would have just known. And I was mad. I was mad about that for the longest time. And then I had to pull myself out of it and say, you know, this, this is my story and I am raising these girls and they are watching me. So I need to flip the script and figure this out and do something to my advantage with it.
2: How did you pull yourself out of it?
1: So for the longest time, I was doing random acts of kindness, those sorts of things. Um, But I, I have really tried to push that with my girls and when I'm with my girls doing random acts of kindness when they're with me or talking to them about that and so it's like I'm telling them pieces of their grandma Tina. And using it to my advantage to teach them who she was and why she did the things she did and just what came so naturally for her, and hopefully instilling those qualities in them as well, while, making, you know, people who I encounter come across, making them smile as well like along the way. So it's like a blessing in disguise as much as, you know, I'd rather it not be that way, but but I'm making the best and the most of it. And I think that's, that's what's truly helped me.
2: So at what point did Tina Kindness Co. come along?
1: So I had it a different name. It was just a general name just because I wanted to put a group together to have something in one place. It, I think it was just like Tina Willett Memorial or something like that. Um, back in 2015 is when I did my first big event. Um, and then I think just like in March is when I changed it. To, I was like, I need to come up with a, a more... Catchy name and something that's more that fit for where I'm at in life and where I want this to evolve to, kind of thing. So, back in 2015, when I created the group, I did um, small events where I did bags tournaments, um, I did a silent auction, I did what else did I do? Um, I think I just asked for donations and ended up raising $2,000 and then rented a school bus and had a group of people with me go around the community doing. Max of from delivering carnations to a nursing home. We stopped, a, pl- a police officer was sitting in a parking lot. We stopped and gave them a $20 gift card. We went into Walmart. I gave everybody like a hundred, $200. And we walked around and handed out money to people shopping. And it was probably hands down still to this day, one of the best days of my life. Wow. So it, that's where, where that started. But, okay. Truly just random, just yeah. random. Yep. Yes. Completely. Um. I mean, some of the things were thought out, but the people who were the recipients were completely random.
2: Right. That is so cool. So you do that kind of every July is um, is the main yeah. period of time, but I know it goes on year round too.
1: Yes. Yes. So I try to hit it harder in July. Um. And I've only done a few bigger events just because my you know my space of where I was at it was just too much for me to take on. So I've done. Like that was the one big event I did last year I sold t shirts and raised money for New Kingdom trail riders. Um, It's a horse therapy place over in Sherrard and raised money for them I think I raised uh, like close to 12,000 or 12,000 caught I wish $1,200 $1,200 and this year I did the same thing raising money. I did for the Quad City Veterans Outreach Center. So I'm I'm wanting it to be a continual yearly thing instead of an every like five year kind of event that I was doing. But I would encourage during the month of July on my page, you know, do something nice for somebody today or I'd give a list of things that they could do or hey, maybe post something nice on somebody's wall and just giving little tidbits throughout the month of July on what are some nice things that do that don't necessarily need to cost money.
2: Right, I think sometimes... It feels like it has to be big in order for it to matter.
1: Yes. And And sometimes those little things, just a smile to somebody walking by can literally be life saving i mean they may be contemplating ending their life for the day and just because you smiled at them it gave them a sense of hope that they matter and that they're not invisible in this world kind of thing so it doesn't ever have to be this big here's a thousand dollars or you know buying somebody a car which of course is nice (laughs) but it doesn't always have to be that
2: i felt like that was a huge loss of this last year was walking yes. to in a grocery store and not making eye contact with anyone because you wouldn't smile at them anyway, because it wouldn't matter because yes. you were wearing your mask. I yes. feel like the lack of interpersonal, even on that random basis, was a huge, huge loss.
1: Yes, so much. And I think that affected so many, so many people's brain health. And we're going to start seeing those effects, if not already, of people that had struggled immensely with that.
2: Tell me about the event you're currently planning.
1: So the backstory on that, um, it started out this year, again, with everything that has gone on. I just didn't know if I had the brain space for anything big this year. And so my original plan was to get as many people as I could, write on signs, you matter, smile, have a nice day, and just stand at a busy intersection or a couple busy intersections within, in the community And for a couple hours, that was my original plan. Well, um, Anna from Quad City Forward, she started her new nonprofit. um, And her mission is something along the lines of businesses connecting businesses. Um, And she found out about what I was doing. And she's like, Oh, no, honey, we need to make this bigger. And I'm like, All right, all right, let's do this. (laughs) And so um, with my connection with the river bandits, my wedding, and then my mom, she had worked at modern women of America for, she was going okay. on her 20th year prior to her passing. So that's why I got married there. And it has that connection with my mom. She's like, let's reach out to river bandits and see if we can do something there. So we ended up, we sponsored them for July 27th game. And what we did is we gathered donations from businesses throughout the community, um, to hand out during the game as random acts of kindness. So that's what we have planned so far. It's all, it's been a little unorganized, but we've just kind of flown by the seat of our pants and we're hoping just to make as many people smile as we can on that day, whether it's, you know, just wearing a shirt that has a positive word on it, encouraging people to do those sorts of things, or somebody who does able to be a recipient of a random act of kindness that we, that we are giving out. So
2: what an incredible idea. That's gotta be the biggest event that you've coordinated
1: so far. Yes. And starting a new job. I'm like, okay, I I can, I can do this. This is going to be amazing. And it's literally, it's going to be the best day of my life. And I I feel like this is going to be the new best day of my life.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Visualize that for me. I'm thinking about standing at Modern Woodman Park and looking around and feeling your mom there. And I don't know what, what's, what would be the perfect day for you there?
1: Just seeing people smile that my mom literally so effortlessly did. And I always say like, Earthside is so unfortunate. And I know she's not the only one, but to lose somebody like her, that was just such a bright presence in people's life. And I want to try and give back as much as I can on what Earthside missed out of on her. And so my perfect day is just to see as many people smiling and having a good time as I can. While handing out, and I'm hoping to spread it out as much as I can. Some people just donated money. So just walking around, you know, handing people money to maybe get something to eat or put it towards a bill that they need to pay off, whatever the case may be. So I think that's what my perfect is, just seeing as many people smiling and having a good time as I can. And especially, you know, as you mentioned with COVID, that, that piece was cut out for so long. And I think it's important to put that back into not only our community, but everywhere.
2: What would your mom say about all this?
1: Um, She would be in tears, I'm sure. (laughs) And I think she would love every moment of it. But you know, the thing is, is if she was here, I don't think that this would have, I don't know if I would have continued to be ungrateful and not realize what I had in my mom. So I've come to have this mentality of things happen for a reason. Whether you like them or not, you can make the best of it, or you can let it drown you. And you know, I was fortunate, like I said, to have those supports in my life to make sure I didn't drown myself. Um, and not every everybody is fortunate to have that. But just trying to encourage that and let people know that people are here to help you, and it's not always a sink or swim. And and try to instill that hope back in into people.
2: Do you put a lot of pressure on yourself now as a mom to be that person for your girls? Always,
1: always, always. I, I use the word perfectionism, although it's not a thing, but I hold myself to such a high standard, which like i mentioned to you with my anxiety, it's like, I have this such high standard of myself that I'm never doing good enough. Like this isn't good enough. And then um, when I met with Anna from Quad City Forward, she's really helped me take a step back in my life and realize that what I'm doing is truly amazing. And, you know, where I'm at in life is huge from, you know, what I experienced at such an, a young age. And I'm, I'm very well aware of it could have been much worse. It could, you know, could have been much better. Um, I'm thankful for it on both sides. So um, I think that was a huge piece in planning this current event is me realizing that although it's still a struggle for me but bringing it to my attention for my brain health is that you know I I don't need to be this perfect person that I I feel like my mom was and not doing good enough.
2: It's a very mom mindset. You know, I mean, I I could count how many times that you've offered a disclaimer or felt like, no, 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 I really am grateful. You know, like that's such a mom thing to do because we do that all the time where we don't want to be the one who acts like they had it hardest or you know, because we all know that somebody is dealing with something worse or different or what have you than us. It just it's just a very mom mindset to, (laughs) to look at what we're at what we're not saying or what we're right. not doing, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. So much truth in the...
2: <laughs> and I know you feel like social media is a huge part, yeah. part of that.
1: Yes. Yes. It's the, it's such a blessing and a curse. I mean, it could be used so, for so much good, but also, you know, moms or just humans in general, we get in this comparing game. And we got to remember that people, of course, most times are going to present their best self on social media. Um, And so not, not to think that that's their full world, that that's just the best part that they're posting right now. So, yeah, I think that's important to keep in mind. I've been muting
2: a lot of people on Instagram. If I told someone, Hey, I muted you today. I feel like they would take that very personally, but like anybody that I mute, I mute because of me.
1: Yes. You know what I mean?
2: I'm not muting it because of them. I'm muting it because for some reason it like hits me weird but I found it to be very helpful to, to identify like something makes me feel bad and it's not that person's fault. And now you're muted,
1: right? (laughs) It sounds aggressive, but it's really not, not at all. Yeah. (laughs) That is such an important piece. It really is. And especially just for the moment, like, Hey, this isn't doing well for my, my brain health right now with where I'm at you know not saying that what you're posting is good not saying that what you're posting is bad just for me right now muting you for a little bit is gonna help my brain health <laughs> yeah oh you
2: know i was curious why um why you chose the qc veteran outreach center as another beneficiary oh, of this project
1: that's a good question so my husband is a veteran he was in the army he did a tour for a year um, with a break in between, um, and he struggles with PTSD, and through my conversation with, um, her name is Chelsea Fram at uh, the Happy Cat Tattoo, she's the one that made the design for me when I sold my shirts, and so she's very business-minded, she has her own tattoo shop, and so I sat down and with talking with her, and she's like, so my original plan was to maybe get a group of kids, give them money, and go around the community, and let them do random acts of kindness, Um, But with everything I have going on, it just was, I felt it was going to be too scattered, too unknown. Like I didn't know how much money I was going to be able to raise, how many kids I would be able to have in the group. So we decided to have it just streamlined into one cause. And so in working with my husband as of late, something with that, I was just looking through Facebook, scrolling through, and that popped up on my, my thing. And I'm like, That's what I'm doing, because it's it's true to my heart and what kind of affects me as well as I feel what a big missing component is with our society with veterans, and the systems that they have to navigate sometimes is unreal, Um, or getting turned away and then finding out later that they commit suicide because they were turned away and. You know, individuals in my husband's platoon, he's had like three or four who have commit, committed suicide from what they've, they've saw and just what he's experienced. So that once I, I saw that, it hit me like right in my heart and was like, that's who I'm donating it to. Yeah. Um, so that was the piece that kind of came up for me.
2: Well, say thank you to your husband for his service. I will. I will. How can people reach out to you and join the event or just figure out more about Tina Kindness?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I have, like I said, I mentioned um, the group on Facebook. I It was public, but I decided to make it a more personalized group and it's um, private now. So you just look up Tina Kindness Co. And um, you can add if you want and you know if it feels if they don't want to be a part of it or they find it annoying you know you can always unsubscribe or leave the group or whatever the correct terminology. No you're saying that to me right now.
2: No I'm not
1: muting you. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) (laughs) no I'm just in general for people because you know sometimes the the goodness thing people can it gets too much for some people or you know if it's just not your thing or you don't find the connection within what my mission is specifically for my mom follow that group and that's where a lot of the information will be posted or like I mentioned Quad City Forward too with Anna she's co-doing this this event specifically with me and so she posts a lot of information on hers as well.
2: Well, I really appreciate learning more about you and hearing about the project and the event coming up on the 27th. And um, thank you for reminding us that making a difference can be in a little little tiny nugget
1: at a time. Yes, yes, you're welcome.
2: More details about that event will be posted on the Instagram page at On A Mother Level. Follow along there. I will be tagging, I will be posting and preview clips are always available there. Hope to connect with you a little bit more via the Instagram page. Hey, if you've got a guest you want to suggest, send me some information there. Got a topic you want us to dive into? Happy to look into it. Hey, we're here for you. This is your mom community, and I'm so happy and honored that you want to be a part of it. You have been listening to On a Mother Level. When it comes to parenthood, we can relate. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network. One,
1: two, three.